So over the last few weeks, we've been talking through a series titled Redeemed. It's ways in which God changes our experience and life. And last week, we specifically centered in how God buys back our past and how God navigates our past so that we have a different perspective on it. And tonight, I want to talk to you about a topic that perhaps is one of the most sensitive topics in Christianity because sometimes it, it could be a little emotional. And that's the topic of inner healing. I don't know if you realize it or not, but every one of us through the experience of life pick up a bit of dirt on the soles of our feet. It's not unusual. Things happen. In fact, the Bible says we shouldn't be surprised if offenses come. And that perhaps we get hurt or offended or frustrated, either because of something we did and not to be blamed or something done to us and somebody else's to be blamed. Sometimes we might even be a little disappointed in the Lord. We wouldn't say it to a friend or post it on our Facebook status, but somewhere deep in our hearts, there was a prayer we prayed and felt like God didn't answer it. Or if he did answer it, he didn't answer it in a way that made sense. And some of your Christian friends have probably said to you, every prayer is answered by the Lord. It's just sometimes a no. But deep in your heart, you're thinking, where was God when I needed him in a certain moment? And tonight, I want to talk to you about how important it is for you to be free from things that leech your soul of its joy and its energy and its faith. And how you can get through life taking knocks, but not falling and staying down. And it's an important idea for us to navigate because along the road to God's divine plan, there are going to be some frustrating battles and moments of disappointment and some uh, circumstances that really hit us hard. And I wouldn't like for you to close a door just because you've had to close a chapter. We've got to learn there's a difference, that we can close the chapter of a relationship, but let God keep the door open for a future relationship with somebody else. We don't harden our hearts. We just end a season. And sometimes we mix the two. We're not quite sure how to do that. We harden our hearts and end a season. Or we end a season and our hearts don't know what to do. And there is something really powerful about letting God enter into the space I'm going to refer to as restoring your soul. So let's go to the scripture we started this conversation on, and it is in Galatians chapter 3, and I'm only going to read a sentence or two because it's been part of our discussion all along. Look what it says. Christ redeemed us uh, from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing, completely, by absorbing it completely into himself. I just want to pause there for a moment and say that one of the worst kinds of enemies you can have is when you are your own worst enemy. That's probably one of the most frustrating things. It's easy to rebuke someone else, unfriend someone, block someone. It's easy to ghost someone. But you can't ghost yourself. You can't unfriend you. And you can't block you, even though some of you are very unkind to yourself. And because you're unkind to yourself, when friends enter into your world, you expect them to be as kind to you as you are to you. So you only welcome other unkind people. And not only that, when you're angry or frustrated with yourself, disillusioned or disappointed, you make your friends pay the price of your pain. In fact, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
If you're not in a good space with yourself, then following after the Lord and loving one another becomes really difficult. And the challenge with that is that it's a difficulty that you carry, a burden you carry in your heart all the time. I know camera people that I'm really making your jobs a little more difficult. So I thought I'd just quickly get out of frame and get back into, um, I'm sorry, did they get me? Oh, thumbs up to the camera people. Thumbs up to the camera people. Coming out of that Galatians uh, uh, passage, and we had, um, we've read it all the way through for a few more verses, but we talked about four tools over the last few weeks, four tools to restore or strengthen the soul. The first one was redeemed. We did that last week. Today, we're talking about how God restores your soul, puts back something that's been drained out. Then we're going to talk about how God removes something like, say, for instance, the splinter in your eye how God would do that, and then to revive something, to quicken your spirit so that you can get your enthusiasm level uh, up. And tonight, I especially want to spend a little bit of time on identifying things that need to be restored in the soul and then giving the Holy Spirit permission to do the work. In fact, at the end of the service tonight, I'm going to devote a little bit of time on praying for inner healing. And I want you to open your heart to the possibility that you might have to settle an unforgiveness in your heart, or you might have to receive a compliment from heaven. You might have to allow your soul to be nourished and refreshed so you, so you can worship God wholeheartedly. Isn't that an interesting word, wholehearted? To be wholehearted means that there's no one part of you that's reluctant to love. To be fragmented in your heart or bruised in your heart or offended in your heart means you can't give all of yourself to something. See, when you love somebody, you want to be wholehearted in your love. You want to give them all of your heart. What's that little, you know? I mean, that's over now, isn't it? It's done, that, that thing. But you want to be wholehearted about it. You want to follow after God. You want to be wholehearted. I thought that what Jackson shared about generosity was so big. Uh, that the question isn't whether we should or shouldn't give, that the question of generosity is, am I free to give? Am I free from the fear of lack? Am I free from the need for appreciation? Am I free from the uh, uh, competitive attitudes of comparing myself with somebody else? Am I free from the obstacles that say I can give generously and without expectation and it's a joy in my heart because I'm free like that? Something really powerful about that, isn't it? Being able to love somebody. You know, it's always amazing to me we devote so much time choosing who we should love and not much time determining how capable we are to love. Do you know that everybody's capability to love is different? Everybody's capability to work is different. Everybody's capability to uh, uh, be in, in community, crowds. Some people love crowds and some people just need two friends in the whole world. Other people, they love wholeheartedly in one way. They want to be next to each other, you know, uh, day and night. Others are like, I love you, but like over there. Oh, there's a lot of amens there. There's a lot of single people in the house tonight. So I think perhaps at the end, I'm going to just pray for the Lord to bless you with the right relationships. But more importantly, for you to have the right relationship mindset. And everybody said, Amen. have you ever wondered why you, you or others are often attracted to the same bad habits? Why, even though our head knows better, does our heart keep stumbling? Have you noticed that very often people trip over the same things? 
What is it inside of you that is like a hook that woos or attracts the same kinds of problems? You date somebody and they're a mess and you find somebody else and it could have been their twin (laughs) brother or sister. Just as messy. After a while you start thinking, after a while you start thinking all, you know, women are messy. All men are messy. But maybe you need to give thought. There is something inside of me that is comfortable with messy and I need to deal with me so that I can take one look at that mess coming over the horizon and go, not today. Devil, not today. Don't actually say it to the person. I don't, that's, that's in, in a dialogue, right? In a dialogue, don't say. Just imagining you at the coffee shop, a whole bunch of conversations. I'm very sorry, devil, not today. That would be, that would be fine if it was like cakes, but not people. What is it? What is it that with some people in our hearts, we're easily injured? And so we think the world is against us. But perhaps what it is, is we're too sensitive. And we're experiencing the exact same opposition and frustration as anybody else. The world hasn't picked on you especially, but maybe you're sensitive inside. And your sensitivity is hurting you. Then there's an added disadvantage to not having inner healing. And that is that the things you want to reach for, you just don't feel you're enough. When you don't feel like you're enough, that's because part of you lies dormant, paralyzed, or dead somewhere. And where you need to go, you need all of you to go there. Can you say amen? You don't need some part of you lingering behind. When you get married, all of you needs to be in. When you follow the Lord, all of you needs to be in. When you pursue your career, all of you needs to be in. It's not helpful that there's one part of you that's injured in RCU somewhere. There's another part of you that's entangled in some unhealthy relationship. There's another part of you that's longing and yearning for something that ended in 2019. And then what's left, you say, okay, let's get after my future. Well, that's not enough. You're not showing up enough. You need to go back to ICU and claim your healing and walk out. You need to go back to your ex and say, can I have the rest of me back? You can't have any of me. You don't get any of my thoughts. You don't get any of my tears. You don't get any of my worries. You don't get any of my cupboard space. You don't get uh, anything in my shower. uh, Hallelujah. And your reason shouldn't be to be nasty. Your reason should be where I'm going, I'm going to need all of me. Fully engaged, fully healed, fully solid. Furthermore, if you don't do that and you start looking for life quality decisions like a church to join, a partner to marry, a career to pursue. If you're broken, you're going to pick something that suits you in your broken state. And then it'll also be broken. Now, two broken people don't make one whole person. They just make a a company of broken people. What you need is wholeness to be able to attract God's holiness. And how do you do that in the real world? How do you do that in the reality that somebody is going to disappoint or frustrate you? I've had to learn that just because people are Christians doesn't mean that that they're not going to hurt you or offend you. In fact, There's nothing nastier than a self-righteous Christian because they can use Scripture as weapons to attack you. 
Have you ever, have you ever discovered that? There's nothing worse than a Christian on an angry mission. And yet God never called us to do that. By the way, when you live long enough, you'll realize that angry Christians are just loud, hurt Christians. Everybody sort of gets hurt a little. Some people manifest their hurt by being very quiet, withdrawn, and others manifest it by being very angry and very confrontational. But God has to continually, miraculously, and supernaturally restore our souls. Surely, Psalm 23 must be one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. And yet right there, in verse 3, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, verse 3. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. A restored soul follows well and a broken soul doesn't know how to follow. You see, um, years ago, (laughs) I was doing a wedding and just before the ceremony, the wife-to-be's family pulled me aside. And they said, we want you to take one of the sentences out of the vows. Yeah, that got my interest. I said, which one? And they said, you can say in sickness and in health and to death to us part and all of that, but we want you to take out of the vow anything to do with the husband as the head of the home and the wife is the support. We don't, want, we don't agree with that. I thought, okay, that's going to become my main message now. Because, because, because let, me, let, me, let me tell you why. Now, let me tell you how I sold this. If you go to a doctor and they do an examination and they ask you, ah, and then they ask you to breathe and then they take that little hammer. I don't know what that thing is. I'm sure there are doctors who will explain to you. And they hit your knee. If you go, ow, it means there's something wrong. When you get to a verse and it goes, ow, it does, the verse is never wrong. There's an injury inside of you. That it, so I said to him, before we carry on, I just want to meet the bride. I want to see the bride's family. Why don't you like that verse? Turns out the generation before, there was a, a, a head of the home attitude in their family that came from a deeply uncomfortable, unhealthy religious thing. And the consequence of that was control. And because somebody applied the scripture badly, control entered in. And instead of bringing healing to the control, they wanted to delete verses from the Bible. And every time you come into a space where you feel like, I I can't follow that. The verse isn't the problem. Something in my heart is unhealthy and is resisting the health of the verse. So when the Bible says you shouldn't shouldn't be sexually immoral, If you can't follow that, the verse isn't out of date. Your heart is injured. I wasn't expecting a big amen there, so I'm okay. I wasn't expecting a big amen. See, you you have to be uh, complete in order to follow wholeheartedly. John chapter 21 uh, tells us an example of restoration, because I'm going to go into some practicals about this, where where, uh, one of the 12 disciples um, got hurt. Following Jesus even, they got hurt. In fact, in my Bible, the NIV translation I use for this, it literally uh, has, the fra- has the phrase, uh, Jesus restores Peter. 
Uh, I don't see it on the screen. I'm guessing the guy's removed the heading, but it's in my verse. It literally says in, uh, in, in verse 15, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I, I, that I love you. He said, tend to my sheep. There's that tend word from Jackson. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter, first time we see his name there, Peter, was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Why are you asking me three times the same question? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here's the thing. Do you remember that Peter, uh, who is also originally Simon, is the guy who denounced Jesus three times before the, the rooster crowed. And Jesus came back to Simon and asked him to confess his love three times to cancel the error of the two chapters ago. So that Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Peter, feed my sheep. I need to get you back to Peter because you behaved a little bit like Simon. And I just, I need you to say it enough to snap you out of that. I don't want you to ever look at that mistake and say, I would love to do something for God, but I can't because I denied him three times. So Jesus came to him face to face and said, for the three times you struck out, I'm gonna give you three times to step out. And once you've stepped out, there's Peter again. I don't know who Simon is. Simon, Simon is gone. In fact, what a lot of people forget is that the person who preached the first message at the day of Pentecost was not Paul the Apostle or any of those other uh, uh, subsequent disciples. It was Peter. Peter preached the first message. And Peter preached it so the 3,000, the Bible said, uh, joined the church that day. Uh, shy Peter, who couldn't admit that Jesus was Lord in front of a servant widow, a servant woman, just before Jesus was crucified. That guy who was too shy to say that he was a Christian on that day was the first guy to get up and say, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified as Lord and Savior. And 3,000 people got saved. God can correct your greatest downfall if you'll let him heal your heart. Peter didn't get any other, there wasn't a miracle of like a, a leg or a miracle of an arm that was paralyzed. The miracle he got was in his heart. And I think we all need that miracle from time to time. Something breaks and then the behavior attaches itself to the breakage and bad behavior following a break equals bondage. Now I can shout at you all I like to change your behavior, but unless we heal what broke, you're gonna keep doing the behavior. And you can fight all you like. You can say to yourself, all you like, I'm gonna, it's gonna be different next month. It's gonna be different next year. Unless the, the hook, the hurt is resolved, it won't. It'll just be the same thing. One of the greatest miracles about the gospel is that it addresses the spirit, which is dead without God. It addresses the soul, which needs renewing and reviving and, and healing by God. And it addresses the body, that God can sustain our bodies while we live here on earth and put us into a new body or a new tent, as the Bible calls it, when we get to heaven. 
What's interesting is that when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, your spirit is immediately made alive. That's instantaneous. You're instantaneously born again with all your problems. You're instantaneously born again. But your soul takes a lifetime of saving. See, that's very important. Your soul isn't saved once off. It is a continual act of saving. Let me tell you the difference. Uh, if I dig a well at my house, I only dig the well once, then I have water. That's your spirit. It connects with God, you have living water. But to drink from it, I must draw from the well every day. That's your soul. It needs the continuing watering of the word to bring it into healing. The fact that you have access to water doesn't mean that you are nourished by water. There's a process of drawing the water, right? And I think that idea is so vitally important in understanding where God wants to take us in our inner healing. I want to be able to ask you the three questions or the three times repeat that you need to be able to leave something in the past, it would worry me, it would be really sad if you couldn't leave something behind to receive something new. Life isn't about accumulating all of your bad memories and taking them with you. That's called baggage. And the problem with baggage is when you enter another relationship or enter uh, involvement in the life of the church or enter into something, you take your baggage with and you make it everybody's burden to carry. And you shouldn't have to do that. And your friends shouldn't have to do that. So how do we do that? How do we allow the Holy Spirit access to, uh, to pr produce enough inner healing so we could be whole? And here are a couple of things I think are very important. Firstly, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to revisit the emotions so that you can have closure. I'm always amazed at what people think closure is. People think closure is getting your ex's clothes and burning them. That's not closure, that's a crime. You can actually go to jail for that. People sometimes think closure is having the final say. Do you know what I mean? Closure is I sent the last text. It was aggro and I blocked them. And I got closure. I was lost. Some people think closure is uh, conclusion. Like we, we, we talked it out until there was conclusion, and once there's conclusion, there's closure. That is, that is not biblically a definition of closure. Biblically, a definition of closure is that I reflect on everything in my life with the sense of the Holy Spirit having moved me past it. So when you bring it up, I don't have emotion. I have victory. Because all of those things you are described, having the last say, cutting up the clothes, winning the fight, reaching a conclusion, you can do all of those things and I can bring it up and you can still be angry. So your emotions are not whole. You've just concluded a series of events, you know. And I want to encourage you, um, you have to let the Holy Spirit settle the emotions on something. You can't forever be the victim 
of some uncontrollable emotion. It can't just bring out the worst in you or make you angry or make you sad or make you cry and act like that's okay, that it's out of your control. I believe that the Holy Spirit takes charge of our emotions and brings them into the submission of Jesus Christ so that when I'm angry, he brings peace. When I'm hurt, he brings wholeness. And when I'm unsafe, he brings security. And when I'm lost, he gives me direction. And when I need something, he supplies all that I need, for he supplies all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, so that I'm fully and adequately supplied and don't need somebody else to meet something lacking in me. Closure means, is that a clappable moment? Closure simply means I have no lack when I think about that situation. I don't lack an email. I don't lack a final something. I don't lack a few more shed tears. I don't lack like getting the axe and wanting to hit someone or so a crime. I don't lack like some Old Testament, like where's the Old Testament God who came down and burnt up the I, don't, I lack nothing in that situation. When I think about that situation, I lack nothing. That, that would be closure. Secondly, I think inner healing comes when um, you uh, repeat a healthy behavior often enough so that it cancels an unhealthy behavior. You know, repeating a healthy behavior is actually, spiritually speaking now, is actually a declaration or a confession. Uh, a healthy r- response. Uh, uh, Simon, do you love me? Yes. Simon, do you love me? Yes. Simon, do you love me? By the third time, Simon's getting a little bit irritated. The verse actually says so. It's getting a little bit irritated. But can I encourage you? Um, you might need to be asked something enough to get irritated enough to snap out of it. Do, do you see what I mean? You might need somebody, and I've had people do this in my own life, and I've done it for people. Uh, if you're not in a good space, you might need to ask a friend. Phone me every day and ask me if I read the Bible. Do it for 30 days. By day 10, you might not even want to answer the call. By day 5, you might even say, yeah, 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 okay, okay, I got it, I got it. But lean in. And, and let your friend say, what verse did you read? And if they give you like John 3.16, tell them you're lying. Everybody, everybody knows John 3.16. Come up with another verse. Lean in until you're healed. Lean in until you are healed. You know, very often people ask, how committed should I be to the Lord? Like, when is it going overboard? Well, let me tell you, one of the healthiest answers to how much time you should give to your spiritual life is make sure you give it enough time to win over everything else. I am dedicated to the Lord to the extent that I make sure I'm stronger than my worst weakness and my greatest enemy. And if I feel weak, I lean into the Lord, not into the injury. What do you do when you're not in a good space? You repeat the negative thing. Think about that for a moment. That conversation that upset you so much. Don't you chew on it all day? Think about how it was said, what was said, the look in their eyes, the tone. Don't you reread that WhatsApp over and over again? I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they typed that. 
They didn't even have the courage to write the whole word. They just abbreviated. I can't believe they used the WhatsApp. Don't they know my number? They could find, what are you doing? You're reinforcing by repetition an injury. Turn it around. Reinforce by repetition a healing by repeating the word of God over your soul until your soul is made whole. It's an important idea because if we don't allow for that kind of repetition, new patterns won't appear. And we need new patterns in order to conquer things. Those patterns must first be in our hearts before they reflect in our calendars. Let's first be in our hearts. And then finally, you have to release expectations so that you can be clean of the whole thing. You know, an expectation is, wait until I see them again. An expectation would be, I can't wait for the day of judgment. How many of you have had that thought? They can live nicely now, but judgment is coming to all, you know? How many of you have not quoted any other verse except vengeance is mine, <laughs> says, the, says the Lord? You're not well in your soul. You know that verse, it is well with my soul. It is not well with you. If you're sitting there tapping your knuckles and your fingers and thinking, oh, I can't wait for that day. God's going to call them forward. I'm going to stand there and go, yeah. <laughs> what you got to say now? It's not, it's not good for you. Remember what you've done now. Remember what we've already said. You know what you've done? You've left a part of you in the waiting room of judgment waiting for somebody else's judgment. So part of you can't go into your future. It's stuck somewhere. Do you know, I think it's very important that we let God heal us on the inside. Our goal is to be wholehearted. By its very definition, it means all of it entered in. None of it left behind. Certainly None of it injured. Perhaps the most powerful thing we can do is to let the Holy Spirit do the greatest miracles, which are often the internal ones. Inner healing is an incredible gift. When Jesus says it came to set the captives free, to open prison doors, and to heal blind eyes, he didn't only mean that physically, physically blind, physically captive or physically locked up in a jail. He meant that there were people walking around who were prisoners, who were walking around who were blind, and who were walking around and who were slaves. I suspect that some people here are slaves to an injured version of yourself. You serve your broken self. You spend money on your broken self, you devote time and thought to your broken self and you give yourself no permission to be happy because it would offend the broken version of yourself. Some of us are slaves, but we're attached by slavery to ourselves instead of allowing God to set us free. The Bible says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. One day, I should like to unpack that word indeed, 
There is a Greek word behind it. And of course, I'm a, a little Greek. And there's a Greek word behind it that'll help you understand uh, why that word was used, why it was there. Why didn't it just say, you, the sun sets free, is free? Why did it go one step further indeed? You see, uh, freedom is not static. Freedom is functional. You can't be fully free until you're in a situation where you must act free. You might say, well, I'm free from my past hurts. Okay, we're going to see in your next relationship when you're functioning in it, whether you're free. Because free must be in the deed of it. <laughs> Not in the thought of it, but in the deed of it. Okay, I'm going too far now and I'm over time. So you know what's cool? This happens again next Sunday. And you should full on come. And you should bring more friends every week, uh, more, more people coming to church. And uh, in a couple of weeks' time, it'll be two years since lockdown and the pandemic. And I am believing uh, that when we cross over that mark, uh, the Lord is going to restore everything uh, that has been put on hold. He's going to restore from your spiritual life, to your relationship life, to economic life, to your personal life. He will restore everything that has been taken from you. And restoration is a big word. If I had more time, I'd, I'd get into, uh, maybe another day, we'll get into what restoration means when you are saved. There's a term for that, a restitution. I owe a debt I must restore once I'm saved. Okay, so let's, yes, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into it now. I, I blame you a little because I feel like we've got this little, we've got, we're vibing in relationship here and... It's not the right word anymore. That's now become like a relationship word. Okay. The Spirit is moving among us. Hallelujah, Jesus. God is in the house. <laughs> You're so charismatic. I love you. Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Um, I, I really... Uh, I really want to offer you the opportunity for inner healing. And there are a couple of ways of doing that. Receive it while you're standing there. Or receive it by coming to the front at the end of the service and asking for prayer. Or receive it by filling in a prayer request card and praise report card. And our pastors, we meet together every Tuesday. We pray for you. Pray for the cards. And then we, we bring it to a prayer team here on a Sunday. And then they pray also because they're anonymous. Um, but do what you need to. Lean in to be whole, so you can get into your future wholeheartedly. So we take a moment to pray. There's still starting point. There's great coffee after the service. I think the best in the city, to be honest. And literally nothing else this cool is happening right now in PE than just staying here and being at Warehouse One. It's a vibe. So Lord, um, we thank you for the, for the work of the Spirit. We thank you that you taught us in, in bringing inner healing to Simon Peter that even though he messed up so much by denying you three times, there was a moment of restoration, a moment of renewal. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will find our wholeheartedness again.
that there wouldn't be a part of us lying somewhere else, waiting for something, looking for false closure, looking for some kind of emotional win, when what we really need is to pull ourselves together under the authority of God and in wholeheartedness follow after you. Lord, we pray that you'll teach us uh, not to be uh, enslaved to a broken version of ourselves and not to be enslaved to our past, but instead in wholeness to love you, in wholeness to, to be free to follow you. And we pray that we will be free indeed. When we're in the circumstance where we have to act it out in deeds, we are free. It wouldn't be difficult to obey Scripture because it would be natural for our whole person to obey Scripture. And so, Lord, we thank you for the power of that. I also want to take a moment just as we wrap the service up while you're watching online still and in the room. And I want it on record because it's on our YouTube channel and on Facebook that if you want to become a follower of Jesus, it's a very simple prayer, which is actually a quote I took straight out of the book of John chapter 5. And I just want to put it up on the screen and pray it out loud. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I want to invite you to consider making this your prayer and pray it out loud. And then come and say, I, be, I became a follower tonight. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one and we'll sign you up to an alpha or some kind of a journey that'll help you if that's what you want. So there it is. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debt of sin has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe and I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and adoration?